o'clock by my watch. We're going to get started so you can kick the doors closed and people that are running late are going to get embarrassed having to come in. Okay, kick the tires and light the fires. Let's get going here this evening. Okay, thank you everybody for showing up. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for another opportunity to assemble together, Father, to glorify your name, talking about your son, the word of God, talking about who you are, talking about the purpose and the plan that you have for our lives, and that is love, capital L, through and through, love for us, oh God, and love through us back to you, Father God. We just praise you for this opportunity. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. I'm just a vessel, and I ask that you would fill me and that you would multiply revelation, that you would bring forth wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I declare ears that are open to hear, eyes that are open to see, and good soul to receive the word of the living God tonight in the name of Jesus, and all glory unto you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, praise the Lord. So we are starting the first of what we are calling the 101 class or the new members class, as it's often referred to. Uh, this is something that's kind of been in works for about three years. Um, honestly, we've had the bulk of it pretty much done for a couple years, and it's just kind of waiting for that time to kind of get things going. And um, <clears throat> we kind of gave a little bit of a... Of a uh, Context on Sunday. So if you want to, I would invite you to go back if you were not here on Sunday and listen to that to kind of get a little bit more of an understanding from a landscape level of what we're going to be addressing over the next three weeks. Now, I want to say this. This is not going to be an exposition on every point we bring forth here. I, I am, we are not intending to bring forth the full doctrine on everything we're going to talk about. We're going to hit the highlights, okay, of our, the tenets of faith, what it means to be a member here at New Covenant Fellowship and the body of Christ, most importantly in general, in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about aspects of that from a rudimentary and foundational perspective. Again, like we were talking about on Sunday, it's, a, it's, it's about ensuring the foundation is there in people's lives as they come into the church. We know because most of y'all are here, I understand that and many of y'all have been members for many years, that you ha you know this. I am not pretending you don't uh, or supposing that you don't. But at the same time, if we're going to require all new members as they come into the body to go through this, then what's good for the goose is good for the gander. We all need to go through it. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So therein lies the requirement or the action or, or um, you know, the accountability from a leadership's perspective in having you all attend this class. And so, uh, and I believe along the way, we're going to get some revelation about things we think we knew already, right? Isn't that cool? Do we think we have a full handle and corner on the knowledge of God in these, these areas? No. I mean, I've, I'm a full believer, just like Paul said, but for the grace of God, go I. And that grace is going to be manifold even in eternity, it says. We're going to give an eternity so we can see the manifold nature of his grace. Well, even right now, we're getting it. Amen? Okay, so let's just move right into this. 
Again, we need everyone to participate in this. And if you cannot participate, it's three courses or three classes. Um, and if you cannot, we, we are asking that everyone make at least two live uh, teachings, okay, two of the live classes. And then you can participate. They're going to be recorded and be available and archived on the web in an MP3 format as well as I think is, is it, are we streaming live video? Okay, we are not. Okay, so you can get them as a podcast or MP3 uh, download on your computer or your your iDevice or whatever device you so choose. And you, if you, because we know that it's hard to make three weeks in a row sometimes because of schedules and so forth. So one out of the three, you can can do that if if at all needed, if required. Otherwise, please attend all three. And we are taking attendance. And so, uh, you know, what, you know, I know a lot of people are like, what in the world is going on here? You guys are really requiring a lot or demanding a lot of us. Well, <laughs> you know, one, th- one day, CJ and myself and Todd and other leaders in this church are going to answer to God for what we've done as leaders in this body. Not you, not you guys. Some of you will, yes. Men, you're going to answer to God for your household. Not, not your wife. Men. And you know, it's like, it's like what the word says. Not many of you should suppose to be teachers because there's going to be a particular, uh, expectation and accountability for you, you and the gift and grace that's been put in your life and what you've taught. I, I assume that responsibility with full, um, awareness and eyes wide open to the best I can in the grace of God in my life and realizing that one day I'll answer to, the, to my God for this. So guess what? If we're going to answer to God, we need to make sure we're all aligned on these very important concepts and from a leadership perspective. We need to make sure that, that the proper foundation, at least from the grace that God's given us and understanding he's given us about the scriptures on these issues, is... Per, is um, made manifest to everyone and given an equal opportunity, equal opportunity revelation about that. Okay, so that's enough, I think, of the uh, the setup. And then if I think of anything else as we come along, or if Pastor CJ thinks of something uh, that we need to add to this or any of the ELT guys, uh, please jump in. Now, we're going to go for 45 minutes of talking head. That's me talking. And then we'll go for 15 minutes of questions and answers, okay? And I've already gone almost five minutes, so we're going to have to get moving here if we're going to end at 745 in order to allow 15 minutes of Q&A, which is very important in this process. And I will say this is not going to be the the uh, normal format for this class. In fact, we want it to be a classroom, no more than about 15 to 20 people type setting in terms of how we roll this out uh, in the future. But we needed to get the majority of the body through this, so we wanted to go ahead and and do the big glut of folks up front. And uh, then we will roll out more of a classroom, 15 to no more than 20 folks, and have a little bit more familial setting, if you will, more of a classroom-type setting. Okay, so we have several things that we're going to talk about or we're going to share in this class. <clears throat> and... Uh, there's several sections that's going to be broken out in. The first one we're going to talk about is our family. What does it mean to be a part of our family? 
And so let's just talk about this just a little bit. And I will say that you will be given a handout at the end of this class for your reference um, that's going to have a lot of the scriptures, the foundational scriptures that that basically in the mouth of two or three witnesses uh, establish these things from a doctrinal standpoint, so you'll have them for reference. Please don't take that and go throw it away somewhere. You know, as a good member of this church or one that's seeking to be a member, if you're not a member and this class is, is, is providing an opportunity for you to learn more about whether or not you want to be a member here, and that's the whole intent and purpose of this, then we ask that you would retain that as a reference. It's going to, it has some great, it's going to have some great scriptural, uh, material and references in it. So, um, but you will not get that until the, you complete the class. Okay. Okay. But I do invite you to take notes. All right. But a lot of the scriptures you will be given reference to, but please take notes. Okay. So now my contact just went completely foggy and my left eyeball. So I may have to go like this for a while. Um, so what does it mean to be a part of the family, quote unquote? You know, New Covenant is a family and we're comprised of individuals. We're comprised of members that contribute separate yet vital functions, you know, that determine the health and growth of this body. Um, just like a regular family. I mean, like you know of, you grow up with a mom and dad, you've got siblings, you may or may not have siblings. You've got, you know, mothers and fathers-in-law and sisters and brothers-in-law and aunts and uncles and all that. And each one of them comprise a member of that family and they have certain roles and certain responsibilities. So too, New Covenant Fellowship as a family, as a church body. And um, we believe strongly and believe the, that the word of God is very clear. And we said this on Sunday, I remember saying in particular, that God calls every single person and equips them for their specific role in the body, whatever it is. And like I told you, that those responsibilities, those giftings, the grace of God, in other words, to do the things that you couldn't do on your own, but what he's called you to do, so his divine equipping, that only comes by his will and his purpose and his uh, bestowing that upon you. Okay, you can't wish it upon yourself. You can't look at someone else and say, I want what they have. You can't, you know, uh, you know, want to move in an office or move in a role that you're not graced to move in or equipped to move in. Just like this, my son can't say, Dad, I'm going to be the father now in my family. It's just not going to happen, Josiah. I don't care how many times you think you want to usurp me as the father. I am the father. That's all there is to it. Because he's not equipped. He didn't found my household. I did. And my wife. So, so too, the body of Christ. So too, this church, in terms of your member and your role that you comprise and the specific thing that you have and, uh, and gifts and the uh, uh, supply that you have to make here, that's all ordained by God. So if you have a problem with it, you got to take it up with him. Y'all see that? Don't go griping to CJ about it, Pastor CJ. You can't come griping to me about it. I'm not the one that just made you who you are. I'm not the one that, that, that anointed you and graced you with the particular things you have. I can't get upset because I can't paint 
and draw freakishly like Kalen Robinson can, because guess what? God didn't put that in me. He put it in her. I don't know why he decided to do that. Sometimes I'm like, man, God, I'd at least like to have decent penmanship. Okay, so let's don't get too far off course here. Okay, so we believe the NCF is an expression, a local expression of a global eternal work, i.e. the kingdom of God. Amen? And that we're members comprising a body or family that make us supply according to the grace God's given us. And we've talked about uh, 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 this on Sunday and, and kind of wore this out to a degree. But let me just give you a couple of scriptures here. John three twelve through 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So right there, when I say you're part of the family, when you believe in, in God, having been drawn by the Holy Ghost, you've accepted Jesus, confessed him as Lord, become a new creation in him, you know, First uh, Corinthians 5, 17, then you have been given the right to become a child of the living God. That's what John 3, uh, 12 through 13 says. So if you're a child and his son, then you're a part of the family. I don't know about you, but no son or no daughter exists outside of a family one way or another. So you're a part of a family. So right there's scriptural proof for that. First uh, Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. There you go. You're a, you're a part of the body of Christ. I'm just giving you some scriptural reference with respect to um, what I just uh, told you a while ago. Romans 12, 4 through 5. For just as each of you has one body or is one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Did you know that you belong to me, Becky, as a member in the body of Christ? I belong to you. Same for all of you. Every single person here. We're fit just like the digits on my hand, just like my hand to my arm and my arm to my shoulder and my torso. We are members comprising a body when you get us all together. Y'all see that? And so just like this finger has a specific role, so too each one of you have a specific role depending upon what position you occupy in the body. Now, if I take that finger and I put that finger on my kneecap, is it going to fulfill its de- destiny? Is it going to fulfill what it's really made to do? Well, I might be able to scratch an itch down there, you know, if I or something, you know. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, you've defeated the entire mechanic and engineering purpose for the finger. If you take and move it to a different part, and that's what I'm saying about this, about members of the body here, saying to it, I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because it's very important, this this uh, concept of family and that what value your role is to the family or to the body. We can call it a body, the body of Christ. Okay, so there's some other scriptures. We're going to skip past that. You'll have that in your reference. Okay, and then... So here's here's one, and we see this increasingly becoming less and less an emphasis. We are to assemble together and spend time as a family. Amen? Man, come on, it's quiet out here. I'm ready to get some interaction here. We are to assemble together. I mean, I don't know too many families that just want to insulate themselves from all their members and say, we'll never meet with you. Now, I know there's there's some some extenuating circumstances in families 
But by and large, you're going to have members in every single family they are going to associate with each other. Or else, it's not a family, <laughs> functionally. I say so too, this, the body of Christ. If we don't associate with one another, again, you being one member, whether it's the first finger or a kneecap or a buttock on the body. No, I'm, I'm serious, you know. I mean, whatever part it is God's anointed and called you to be, my dogs, we can't do it without you. We don't need our fingers staying home all the time. Y'all see that? We don't need the kneecap, you know, on again, off again in terms of its relationship to the body. We need kneecap all the time, joined up, making its supply. Man, this is important, is it not? Very important. You you begin to start, you get a revelation of this, and you begin to start seeing your importance in the kingdom of God. It's not about Pastor CJ or about me or about others that seem to be the front men talking heads all the time that are seem to be the front leadership of the church. It's not about us. It's about the body. My goodness, all we are is just basically a throughput from the head to equip the body. That's it. The head being Jesus Christ. Amen? So it's important to find out what member you are. What's your grace to do? Man, I feel that just rolling inside of me how important it is to get that out. We are to assemble together. We are to spend time as a family. The church provides a context to facilitate this. That's why we have church. Now, to the degree that we see a lot of the elements of church and the whole thing that it comprises in the day and age and in what religion has developed it into, I'm not saying that it's not off track in a lot of ways or that it may be a little bit dysfunctional. I'm not talking about NCF. I'm talking about in generality here about the church. But the bottom line is the church is a context for a corporate assembly of the body locally. Locally. Okay? And then there's a body globally. But we are a local body here in this, the community of Stillwater, right? Okay. So listen to what Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. How can we do that if we don't assemble together? How can we do that if we don't spend some time together? It says, and this is what Paul's saying, studying how we may stir up and stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Man, I, we, I gotta be stirred up. I've gotta be incited to deeds and noble activities. Caleb, I gotta have you help stir me up sometimes. I gotta have, you know, uh, you folks in here by the Spirit of God stir me up and vice versa. We do that as we assemble together. And it says, and then verse 25 is the scripture that you hear so oftentimes, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, and is a, as is a growing habit of a lot of people today. Y'all agree with that? We don't forsake that, folks. And that's what we here in the leadership of NCF, we take it very seriously in terms of what this church comprises in the way of being a family and being a body and us being a context for the local members of the body to come together and to do the work, corporate work of the kingdom of God, right? Okay. 
Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So there we see, right there, Paul's even talking about interming the church as a household. The household of faith. I like that term. The household. Okay, so we talked about what it means to be part of the family. Secondly, what's the first step? How do you become a part of the family? Talk about what it means, but how do you even become a part? I mean, it's not just something that you can just step into and just go, well, I'm a part of this family now. You know, no more than you can come, you know, than Caleb can come in to my house and say, well, I'm a part of the Greg Clarkson household. Well, no, you're not. You know, I got two sons and that's all God's given me. Now we're related by marriage, but we're not related by blood. We're not related um, legally, you know, like I am with my sons. So the first step, what does anyone think the first step is to becoming part of the family? That's right, being born again. Because of sin, man is spiritually dead, separated from God. When you talk about spiritual death, it really means one thing. You're separated from God because what? God's a spirit. And when you're separated from him, you are spiritually dead. You are separated from your life creator, your life force. You are spiritually dead, separated from God, and you are without hope. You're without an ability to confidently expect his presence or his relationship if you're spiritually dead. And you're without hope for true life, both now and for eternity, if you remain in that state. True life, true life begins when one accepts Jesus Christ. That's the absolute gospel. And is made spiritually alive by the work of the Holy Spirit. And this occurs only and only when people respond to the call of the Father through the Holy Spirit to believe the gospel. And turn from their former life apart from him and confess Jesus as Lord Believing in their heart that he, he was the one sent as the only way for them to have that restoration back into their father. Amen? That's the gospel. That is the gospel. So that's the first step. Listen to what John 3, 5 through 6 says. It says, Jesus answered and says, I assure you, unless someone is born of water, and the spirit. Now this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, someone who kept the law to, to almost a, really a perfect degree, at least as it was written on page. And here Nicodemus comes in the nighttime because he's scared. He doesn't want his, his fellow Pharisee brothers to see him coming to the master and asking him the question. And then when Jesus, you know, talks about the kingdom of God and he asks a question, Jesus says, you know, I mean, how is it going to be revealed? And Jesus says, I tell you right now, unless you're born of the spirit and water. In other words, you got to be born first of flesh and blood. Then you got to be born by the spirit. Remember, we talked about this being a spiritual death issue. That's what separates us. That's we, we come into this deal separated from God. And until we accept Jesus and become born again, what, what part of us becomes born again is our spirit. Our mind, soul, will, and emotions, our body is unchanged in the salvation experience. 
It's our spirit being born again. Recreated in the image of God. A new species, actually, if you look at the Greek. So he says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit, little s. And so there we see it. We have to be born of the spirit. Second Corinthians 5.17, that's, I've already quoted that about three different times. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. And if you look at the Greek there, new creation actually doesn't just mean something that's refit. It means a conti- entirely new species. You're not the same thing or even made of the same thing you were before. You resemble nothing that you were before. You're completely new. And as far as the spirit is concerned, your little ass spirit, when you are born again, you have been created in the image, back in the image of God, refired, relit with the light and life of men. You now have fellowship with the Father Spirit, you know, who is a spirit. You now have an intimate access and stand as, as, as pure and as right before God as you would ever stand as if you never sinned. Amen? That's called righteousness, and you get that as a gift too upon salvation. Okay? Romans 10, 9 and 10. Man, this stuff is exciting. I know it's foundations, but it's exciting to me. Man, this is gospel. This is good news. Amen? Come on. This is good news. Fire you up here this evening. If you confess with your mouth, and this is how that first step is taken. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Let's everybody do that. Jesus is Lord. That's right. He is Lord. And I'm not ashamed to confess him as my Lord. And I don't stop confessing him. You know, Paul talks about holding fast your confession. And I would tell and encourage everyone here, don't stop Romans 10, 9 and 10. Yes, you're recreated, you're a new species, but, but constantly reaffirm with your confession his lordship. Constantly reaffirm with your confession your belief and faith in the fact that he came down here and bore all of your punishment that you should have bore. He came down here and identified with you in the same package you walk around and live and breathe and sleep in, and that's a physical body, subject to the frailties thereof. And could have, and because he was tempted in every way, failed like we fail. But he did not. And he went to that cross. And it wasn't the physical death that was the main issue. It was the spiritual death that he died, folks. Because he also went to hell. He went to hell for you, ma'am. He went to hell for you, Jim. He went to hell for me. And I got to tell you that if that don't get you fired up, I don't know what will. We're dead. Because he did go and he paid this, he paid the full price physically, soulishly, and spiritually. He died on every way, physically, soulishly, spiritually. He died. Why? Because we were going to die if he didn't. That was what was due us. The wages of sin is death. That was what was due us. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I don't want to, I can't preach too much here. Help me, Holy Spirit. Man, it's good news, though. It's hard not to preach. 
Right, brother? It's hard not to preach. You get talking about this. It's hard not to preach. Jesus is Lord. And it says, and it, if we confess that and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. That's right standing before God. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. I will make no apology. I do not preach or agree with the preaching of cheap grace. It cost my master everything, and it cost my father God everything. And if it cost him everything, then by dogs, someone can get up out of the seat and come down and confess Jesus as Lord, if that's, the, if that's what's required. I mean, I'm not telling you that you can't pray with someone and so forth and they repeat a prayer after you, but it better be because the Holy, the Father through the Holy Spirit has drawn them to a place. It's not a robotic recitation of a good prayer that gets you into heaven or gets you saved. It is a, 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 an inborn belief that is sparked by the faith that God gives you as a gift to receive this good news. And to be drawn by the Holy Spirit and the Father's call. And I tell you, it cost him everything. And I'm not ashamed of it. That's why I say, if the Holy Spirit is pulling on your heart, come on down here. Come on down here before men and before God. You know, because Jesus confessed your na- confesses our name before the Father. He's our priest. He's our intercessor. He's up there making intercession all the time for us. And if he's up there confessing our name, I, by dogs, I can confess his name before men and God. And that's what I feel like every man is required to do. Amen? Yeah, I get almost righteously indignant about that. My master paid the most dear price that anyone would ever pay. <clears throat> Welcome to the family now. We talked about what it means, how you get there. Now, welcome to the family. True membership in God's family is not just a human decision. Praise God for that. As many of y'all that sit out there right now and can say to yourself and may have even been told by your, by your own natural parents that you were a mistake that you had no purpose in terms of actually being planned for, that it was an uh-oh or an oops, I can tell you by the Spirit of God, backed up by the Word of God, that when it comes to the family of God, every single one here is called by the Father. Everyone. Everyone has been purposed by the Father. And if you don't believe me, then why don't you just go ahead and take these words... At face value here. These words, hallelujah. True membership in God's family. It is not a human decision. And I somehow I didn't get it in here, but it's in uh, John chapter 1. We aren't born of a father's decision. We're born by his desire, by his decision into the family of God. We are adopted as sons and daughters, right? That's one way to express it. Okay, it's by a work of the Holy Spirit when one is spiritually born again, a new person in Christ. Church membership, then, is just an expression of your role in the overall body of Christ. 
That's what church membership means. That's what it means to be a part of the family here locally at NCF. You're expressing your role as a part of the body of Christ here locally. Members are first, though, citizens of God's kingdom and then members of his household locally, being part of a church. That's what it means to be part of a family like here at NCF. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit, capital S, S, into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Ephesians 2, 18 through 19 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. How many of us are members of God's household here tonight? Yeah. Caleb's not. He didn't raise his hand. Yeah, we're members of God's household. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, so there's, there is the section on Becoming part of the family, our family. Okay? And so I've got 15 minutes to start into our foundation. All this stuff begins with our. O-U-R. I tell you what, I got some cotton going here. There's my gum. Don't let me forget it. Okay. So as we move into the foundation here, what we're going to talk about are important points of doctrine. And let me just go ahead and get something out here. If you haven't already realized, the foundation of all of our doctrine is what? The Holy Bible. That's right, God's Word. And so, you know, when I enter into uh, talking with someone about God, or about spirituality. One of the first things I'll ask them is, you know, is if they're, is what, what their take is on the Bible. You know, because if, if they are not willing to accept the Bible as any potential for truth, then we're done. Because the fullness of what I have to deliver in terms of, of, uh, you know, of, Two mouth of two or three witnesses are the verses from the Holy Scriptures. God's Word. Amen. <clears throat> so, I can say this tonight, that if you do not agree or believe that the Bible, these 66 books canonized into the form of what we commonly know as the Holy Bible, there are many different translations, I understand that, but the canonized 66 books that we commonly know as the Bible, if you do not accept that as the inspired word of the living God, inspired and written through men as they, they were given utterance, if you have a problem with that, then you're going to have a problem with what we're going to talk about here because the entirety and foundation of our doctrine here at New Covenant Fellowship is the Bible of the living God, the word of the living God. Okay? And... As I stand here before you and before my father, whom I will answer to one day for what I say, I will say unashamedly, unabashedly, that I believe 100% what this Bible says. 
I believe that 100% this Bible was inspired of God, written by men. I believe and I trust and I take everything back to the Bible. If it doesn't line up, then it goes either on the shelf or in the trash. Amen? And so tonight, I want to ensure in a 101 Foundations course that everyone is on that same page. The Bible is exactly what it says. It is the Bible. (laughs) You know, we have a lot of Bibles in life. It's like, well, so-and-so is the Bible of philosophy or the Bible of whatever. Well, I got to tell you, right here it is. I take everything back to here. You know, I'm a science guy. I love science. I've learned more to appreciate my creator through my education in science. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of stubble in there, but it's like Kenneth Hagin says, you just eat the hay and spit the stubble out. You know, uh, and that's what I did. I got, I spit a lot of that intellectual stubble out, but man, there was a lot of good truths in there too about the creation I learned about my creator th- about through science. And I remember thinking from a, uh, 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 a perspective of a scientist that when they apply the scientific method, hypothesis, experimentation, conclude, you know, and then you draw, uh, con- or you analyze the data, you draw conclusions from that, compare it back to your hypothesis and see whether or not it supports or rejects it. I, I always said to myself and reason from a mental perspective that if someone did that purely with no agenda to find any iotas to support their opinion, then science would always prove you know, prove, prove things out in the Bible. And, you know, I would think about it from that perspective sometimes. And one day the Holy Spirit stopped me dead in my tracks. And he said, he said, you, you don't compare the Bible to science. Well, no, now, now don't misunderstand me now. What I'm saying is, is you don't, you don't use the science to substantiate the Bible. You use the Bible to substantiate everything else. And, you know, I was like, oh, dear God, forgive me for even thinking about that. And I was thinking about it from a pure standpoint. You know, I was, I was thinking if you approach science, you know, from a pure standpoint and not just because you're trying to support your opinions to get more grant money. So I, you know, that's, so what I say is, is that. Everything gets compared back to the Bible, and if it don't line up, it gets thrown out. That's all there is to it. Okay, so we'll move off that. So we're talking about foundations here. So we have some, in this collection of particular topics that we hammered through as a, you know, as a body of leaders. These were particular things that we felt like you know, by the Holy Spirit and inspiration that he gave us through this process to bring forth as a, as a, a uh, collection of foundational principles, as a collection of doctrinal principles that we believe in here and that we feel are substantiated in the Bible. And um, many of these are non-negotiable. In other words, we're presenting our non-negotiables, you know, Anytime you have a relationship with someone, particularly a business one, you know, there's going to have, there are going to be some aspects and points of negotiation and some things aren't negotiable in that contract. It is what it is. And then some things aren't negotiable. So we're going to present a little of both with mostly a focus on the non-negotiables. 
How about the first non-negotiable? Can anyone think what it is? God. (laughs) The first non-negotiable. God is, and again, I want to tell you, I am not up here to try to give you a, a complete exposition and doctrinal defense on these on these items. I'm just giving you a, a taste of them. You search them out for yourself. I tell you as a teacher before you and God right now, I've got to tell you, don't just take what I say for face value. What did I just tell you all a while ago? Compare it back to the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, forget it. If you can't see how it lines up, go and ask, come and ask a question. Question me about it. I've had that happen to me. Praise God, man. I, I, I don't, I don't know everything. My goodness. My soul gets in the way. I'm not a pure vessel for spiritual outpouring here. I want to be, but my soul gets in the way. I touch things with my flesh too, just like everybody else does. And it gets tainted with it. So you always compare it back to the Bible. Make sure that it, and you know how you do that? It's like, well, you say, well, Greg, but you know a lot of, a lot of word. You know a lot more than me. So how would I ever be able to, uh, to compare that? Or what would be my check and balance right here? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the one inside of you who leads you in truth and knowledge. If you believe that, you need to, you need to believe that and know that he's inside of you. And so what you do during the whole process when you're hearing someone speak, you're checking in right here. Checking in, checking in. And every once in a while people say something and something goes, Eh-eh. you know what I'm saying? Something just like, Eh-eh. and it's like what one minister says, it's like washing your feet with your socks on. There's a lot of elements of the process that feel right, but something's just not quite right. You know? That's what I'm at, what I'm saying whenever someone's teaching when we're talking here. So we're talking about God. God is the unrivaled, all-powerful, everywhere present, all-knowing creator, capital C, and ruler, capital R, of all as referenced in the Holy Bible. I mean, how can we get more in in one sentence to explain our God? But yet it's, it's nothing. It's like John said, man, man we, let's fill up the world with the volumes of things we could talk about. That Jesus did here. How about his father and what he represents? We got eternity to have that grace man unfolded to us. That's what the scripture says. That's why he gave us eternity because it could take that long to unfold manifestations of his grace to us. Man, that's a big person. Man, that is a complex entity. That is a big, big person. He is an eternal spirit. That's what the father is. He is an eternal spirit. He's an eternal spirit without beginning, without end. That's it. It's like he told Moses, I am. And you tell Pharaoh, when he asks who you represent, you tell him, I am has sent you. And I know Moses and little mind, like mine would have been calculating, I am. Let's just put a blank after that. I am all powerful. I am your need met. I am whatever you ask, you shall receive. I mean, it's just put a blank after that and insert a blank. I am. I love that. The I am. And you know, I don't completely understand what that means. My mind doesn't. My spirit every once in a while will get a hold of a little bit of it and man about blow up. 
I am has sent you, man. Can you imagine him, Moses, being told that? That's my father, God. That's God. <clears throat> okay, so we're going we're gonna to end on God here. Let's get through this. God is the transcendent creator. That means he ascends over anything. There's nothing as high as God. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to just digress to a little bit of apologetics here, not much. Man, there's a ton of stuff out there, some good, not, some not so good, so be careful. But, you know, there, I, I saw that, <clears throat> and I've heard this before, that there are generally three explanations for the cosmos, which is basically the context for everything that we know that exists. Okay, three explanations from Philip. This is from philosophers. And most philosophers agree on this. The cosmos is eternal. That's the first explanation. And if that's the case, there's no need for a creator because the universe has just always been. That's the first argument. Secondly, the cosmos created itself. Again, if no need for God, again, no need for God because it brought itself into existence. And the third one which I'll just go ahead and tell you is the right answer if you hadn't figured it out. The cosmos was created by someone or something outside of itself, God, capital G. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about that right there. Snapping a Z on that. And I'll just case in point, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning... God. That's who we're talking about. And did you know that that actually comes from a Hebrew word that is plural? Elohim, it's actually plural. And that was going to set us up for the next thing, which is the Trinity. Okay, so we've got a couple minutes here. So let me submit this to you. How do you know a painter? How do you know him or her? Isn't a painter revealed by his creation or her creation? We have people all over the world that can look at a painting and know exactly. That's a Remington. That's a Monet. That's a so-and-so. That's a so-and-so. And I don't know all the painters, but that's people that came to mind. And how is, how is that revealed? By the nuance of that person's creation on canvas or whatever it is, paper. So too, the Father God. Guess what? So too, the God we're talking about. He's revealed and is evident through his creation. You know, you want to talk to people about, well, how do you know God is real? Why don't you look around? You know, in Romans chapter 1, 19 through 20, listen to what this says. It says, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. You know, God's trying to show and reveal himself all the time, but so few people are trying to get the message or open for the message. And Paul talks about this here in Romans, if you go and read this on further. It says, because God has shown it to him. It says, what's known about God is evident, because God's shown it to him. It says, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. There it is. How do you know a painter? By his painting or her painting. Same thing with the Father God. As a result, people are without excuse. People can say all they want to know, but they've been living in the middle of the of the greatest evidence for the for God that there is, and that's His very creation, all around them, all around them. 
And the last point is no other God. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. I don't care what people can give you in the way of a logical explanation for the potential for there to be multiple entities of God or for them to say things like, well, and I've had this said to me, you know, really when it comes down to it, it's possible that we're all just worshiping the same God. We're just giving him different names like Allah. No, 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 no. All you need to do, what did I tell you earlier? You go back to the scripture. The way you prove that out is, is Jesus the only way to the God? With with Islam, that's not right. <laughs> so right there, boom, it's over. We know Allah is not God we're talking about here. Y'all see that? Very easy. And in fact, how do you test the spirits by that litmus test I just gave you right there? If they don't confess Jesus as the only way unto God, capital G, who is transcendent above every other being that we're talking about, the God of the Bible that we believe in. If that if that profession is not made and you don't see that as a foundational truth in what they're doing in their religion, it's garbage. That's what the Word of God says. That's what the Word of God says. That's how you test it. You don't have to know a bunch of Scripture. You don't have to know anything except how to reach in here and touch your heart and go, Holy Ghost, is that right? That's all you got to do. Holy Spirit will go, uh-uh. No, he'll bear witness with you. I am the Lord and there is no other. Deuteronomy 6.4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God and it's Jehovah God, Elohim of the Bible. I'll say it over and over and over again. Like Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning... God, and that's who we just talked about. So next week we'll pick up with the Trinity and we'll carry on with these foundational uh, uh, principles. Okay, so let's open it up for a question and answer. And I am not the Bible man, that dude that's on the radio that professes to know everything there is to know about the Bible. Uh, and we have a lot of good, we have a lot of uh, uh, brothers and sisters in here that have walked with the Lord a lot longer than I have and I'll defer questions to them. So y'all better be ready, Steve, and and all of y'all. You better be ready, Pastor CJ, and others, my elders here. So, any questions, thoughts? Oh, come on! Well, let me. Okay, so the question is, do we still have bylaws? And what was the last part? How do the bylaws relate to membership? I'm going to let Pastor CJ answer that. Actually, what, um, those questions, because we will check one. Okay. There are, what we'd like to do tonight is relate to the questions on the tonight's topics because there's going to be, there's a topic in there or a section in there on, on the government of the church, how the church is structured and everything. So when we get to those, then, um, if you wouldn't mind deferring those questions to that time. Or if you're not, well, actually, if there are no other questions, then we can, if we have time, then we can go ahead and. So any questions about the material we covered tonight? Any thoughts? All right, Becky. Let me. Here you go. Answer 
Oh, can you lose your salvation? Isn't that a great question? I'm going to answer this, and this is, thus saith Greg. Can you lose your identity to your family? If you, if, what's your dad's name? What's your mother's name? Frank and Joanne Douglas. You are a product of Frank and Joanne Douglas, are you not? Biologically, right? You, they are your mother and father. You are their progeny. You came at, came from them, came from their seed. Now, if you decided tonight to say, from now on, Frank, I hate you. And what was your mom's name again? Joanne. Joanne, I hate you. And you murdered your mother and father. You burned their house down. You destroyed, I know this is morbid. You destroyed everything of their memory. Everything such that as far as the earth is concerned, those two people never existed. Would that make you not their daughter? Well, that's a good question, too, and I'm not prepared to answer that. uh, She said, what about the scripture that says I will blot his name from the Lamb's book of life? All right, Anna Rose can answer that. So I'm deferring to an elder. Uh, and I, I would have to go look up the scriptures, but that's what, I'll that's do that I'm... for you next week if you want me to. But actually, all our names are in everyone created. Had, their name is in the book of life. But when we do not choose him and we've turned our back, it's blotted it's out. It's blotted out. Okay. Okay. That answer your question. So my answer to that is no. I don't. I believe in eternal salvation because Second Corinthians five seventeen says you're created a new creature. How, how, how can you how can you be created a new creature and then all of a sudden you go you revert back or you you go back on that new creation? I, I don't see it. It doesn't. It makes no sense to me. You want me to stir up something here? I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. But this is a question I know a lot of people have asked, and I've been asked it many times. But in in Second John uh, five sixteen, it tells you, and this is one that I that people have wrestled with: if any man see his brother, brother, sin a sin which is unto death, he shall yeah. ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for him, for it. So, uh, you know, that, that's been wrestled with so many, many times. And uh, I believe what uh, probably the best explanation of that that I've ever heard is when you totally, well, like in Genesis uh, 6, it believes, it says the Holy Spirit will not always strive with men. And I believe that there are individuals at one time that probably accepted Jesus in their heart, but they have denied the Holy Spirit, that unction that'll come about this is sin, don't do this, don't. And uh, and I know that it's been explained that if you've experienced all the giftings of God, it's very hard to get in that position, but that it's possible. 
that if you have totally denied the Holy Spirit access to your life, you've cut that, that, you've cut yourself off from that uh, place of salvation. So. Well, I disagree. It's a big question. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, that just shows you though. I mean, I, yeah, that's why I said, that's saith Greg, you know, because that's, that's, you know, these are opinions on scripture. All right. Steve's got a, he's got, he's got something to add into it. But before he does, I just want to say real quickly, if I didn't make it clear, no more than you can deny your membership as a daughter of your mother and father, no matter what you do, I, I think you can't do that with a father God after having been recreated and made a son or daughter in his, of his. That's where I'm at in it. I mean. Well, I'll give you the, the real answer. Is All right, Steve, want? give us the real yeah. answer. <laughs> Well, you know, I've wrestled with that ever since I was a Christian as to, as to how that all works. And really the conclusion I came to was that it's kind of like walking out on ice, you know, thin ice, and it gets thinner as you go. Uh, why do you want to walk there? You know, let's stay yeah. away, let's stay away from the edge, you know. I agree. And so that's just the way I look at it. Let's just stay away from the edge. And you don't need to know exactly where the edge is, okay? <laughs> you know, if you stay away from it, you're good. Uh-huh. And uh, so walk with the Lord. He says, you know, if you ask him to forgive you, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Yep. But Paul also says, you know, you can't use your grace uh, as a license to sin. Right. You know, you're going to there's going to be some bad results from that. So, you know, to me, why do we need to know exactly what's the point? Do you want to be able to go right up there and stop? And or you want to go bump against the edge of the Grand Canyon as hard as you can? Is that what you want to do? What's why do you why do we need to know that? Just stay away from the edge and you'll be great. You know, yeah. There's no danger. So, yeah, that's a great point. That's the way I look at it. Anyway, I don't have the answer actually. <laughs> that's just my answer. So that's a, so Steve brings forth a perspective in that. I like that, Steve. I think that's a great perspective. And it always comes down to uh, to me a lot of it's just religion. You know, and people want to divide and conquer and create their camps around certain deals. And that's why a lot of times you hear me say, that's saith Greg. I don't want you to build a camp around what I say. I want you to build a camp around what the Word of God says. And now the Holy Spirit will give us insight into what the Word of God says as we, as we ferret that out. But we got another thought here. Well, okay. I was just, just going to say that uh, the Word says that we're sealed unto the day by the Holy Spirit yep. unto the day of redemption. And to me, it would take a lot to unseal That's, the work of the Holy Spirit. If there is, if it is possible, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Well, and then that's what I think Paul was referring to when he says, you know, I know and am persuaded that he is willing and able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I think that's my salvation. That's my personal opinion. The scriptures deal with, and I was looking in Romans, I was trying to find the scripture exactly, but we were born alive, physically alive unto God. Children that are conceived, that die at an early age, where do they go? They go to be with the Father. Mm-hmm. So it's, in other words, there's life in our spirit when we're born, mm-hmm. but we make a choice, <clears throat> and that choice is to walk in darkness, then darkness comes into our life. So we're out of fellowship with God. Jesus died for us to be restored to that fellowship without a struggle whatsoever. Now, 
it's important, I think, for us to realize that, you know, a lot of people are alive under God. On the inside of them, they have a conscience that makes them aware of God, even mm-hmm. though they've laced it over many different ways of uh, denying his voice and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but being alive unto God is, is, is something that a grace that God is uh, allowed to be bestowed upon us from birth. And we choose, we choose at a young age, relatively, and uh, choose to walk in darkness. Mm-hmm. So basically, the light of God is in you, and it never will leave you. And that's true to the statement that you made about being born uh, into a family. And uh, But that's, basically, it's it's very difficult not to be born again. <clears throat> All right? Mm-hmm. Because we were born, born again. Okay. <laughs> Some interesting insights. I learned at the ranch, um, there was a lot of questions about that, about uh, turning away from God. The only thing is, God will never turn away from you. He loves you no matter what you do or how you do it. Mm-hmm. It is your choice to turn away from him because he will never, ever turn away from you. I agree with that. And I, I'm like Steve. I appreciate that insight. I mean, I think it's it's an interesting thing to ponder. I'm going to tell everybody, let's don't get hung up or in confusion over it and let it be a, a hindering block you know, a hindrance to us from growing in God. Um, but again, I, I just have a hard time believing no more. If Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your, to your sons and daughters, how much more, how much more, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit? How much more does the Father know how to give good things to us? And he's talking about fathers to sons, fathers to daughters there. And if, if what I described here with this young lady is, is not true, it, you know, in other words, no matter what she did, she can't expunge and, and, and change the nature of her relationship to her mother and father, no matter what she does, then how much more? That's where I'm at in it. Again, it does saith Greg, but I just say, how much more? Because my father and God is how much more than we are. Y'all see that? If she can't do it with her earthly parents, then how much more can we not do it with our heavenly parents? That's kind of where I'm at in it. I may have misunderstood her question. I understood her question to be about salvation and not about access to the Father. And that's what I'm talking what we're talking about though. We're talking about salvation. If someone chooses to turn away from the Lord mm-hmm. and chooses to not follow him and to denounce him or whatever it is. I don't believe that that person's eternity is secure with the Lord because he says not all those who say, Lord, Lord, shall enter. He talks about, um, I don't remember where this is. I will look for it if you want me to, but if a righteous man would have turned from his righteousness um, in his last days to wickedness, his righteousness won't be remembered. If a wicked man were to turn from his wickedness to righteousness, then that would be remembered. I think I'm, I'm nobody. Okay. But I just think, 
I just think for the body, maybe there should be a clear consensus about what we do believe. Because just listening, it sounded like maybe everyone's saved. I mean, once you say it, if you say it, you're saved. And I don't know if that's the case. So. Well, and actually, I I have to apologize to the brother here because salvation is next week. So here we're talking and answering a question that we're going to be dealing with next week. Uh, <laughs> so apologize for that, brother, because we live the double standard there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a difference, though, between, I think, between, well, I, I think scripturally, too, between the righteousness that's imputed by God, that is a work of the Holy Spirit, and the righteousness of you, of, you know, your earthly righteousness. And the righteousness that matters is that which was a gift upon salvation. Does God yank that back? I mean, I just said, submit to you. No. So, yeah. Yeah. No, you, Paul says you can't do that. So, right. Yeah. 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 I personally, I don't think that this is a, to me, this is not one of those non-negotiable deals. And that's what we as a leadership came to because we all had, we had some varying opinions on it too. I think ultimately we don't need to come down to consensus of belief in it. Because you're going to be, you're going to be moved by your conviction and by what, and by what you feel like, you know, you, how you stand and interpret scripture on this issue. And because it is a hard issue, it's not something that's just blatantly obvious. I've got my opinion. You've got, you guys have got your opinions. I think what Steve said is a great way to context this and, and bring it into it. I think at least tonight. And that is, why are we concerned about it? I mean, let's make sure we're not against the wall if the wall, if the sphere of this room is where we need to be to be with God when eternity strikes. Let's make sure we're in the middle of the room. <laughs> you know, instead of hanging out there by the wall, <laughs> or like you said, the, the Grand Canyon. So anyway. Yeah, I'll go ahead and close with this. Because one thing I, we want to encourage you guys with, there are some things, and we would all agree with this who've read our Bibles, there are uh, numerous topics in the Bible that John could stand with Scripture and support this side, and Bill could stand with Scripture and support the exact opposite side of the same issue. 
I mean, we would not agree with that. And this is one of those, once saved, always saved, eternal security, that kind of thing. And we could, we could talk about this all night and still not everyone say, okay, we all agree. That'll never happen. And there are, there are a number of topics in the Word of God. Our goal is not for us all to agree. Okay? That's not going to happen until we get to heaven because then we're going, oh, now we get it. But on this side of heaven, that's not going to happen. Our goal is to be able to walk together in fellowship where we can come to, to certain things. Now we talk about non-negotiable and negotiable. Non-negotiable is Jesus is the only way to God. If you have a different opinion on that, then we're really not going to be able to walk together and pursue the kingdom together. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? But if you think that you can lose your salvation, and I believe in eternal security, well, we may wrestle with those things, but we can still walk together because the goal is still to propagate his kingdom and to bring people to Jesus. Right. And so there's going to be lots of things like that, and and we're not going to be able to come together in agreement on all those issues. Uh, But the important thing, and I I like what Steve said, because this is where I stand on that, because I used to believe you could lose your salvation. And then I believe you couldn't. And then it's like, depending on what day of the week it was, and then I could tell you an answer. But my heart is, and how I feel like the Holy Spirit has helped me, is just love God. Yep. Love God. Love your neighbor. If you love him, then you're going to want to keep continue to walk towards him. If I get into sin, if I do stupid stuff, I'm going to repent and turn back to him. He says he will forgive me and cleanse me, and we can move on. And don't get stuck wrestling with that stuff. You know, can I, can I not? If I continue to walk with him, I shouldn't have to worry about it. Okay? Right, we're going to have to go ahead and close it down because we want to honor our word. We appreciate the questions. Um, definitely, we definitely appreciate you guys being here. All right? Go ahead yep. and close this. All right. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity, Father, to talk about you. Father, to assemble ourselves, Lord God, and declare our faith and our confession in the one whom you sent, and that was Jesus. And we declare that we do confess him as Lord. He is our righteous advocate. He is the one that we focus our attention upon and that we seek to know more by the Holy Spirit as we are led in in that teaching process. God, we don't know everything, and we don't need to know everything, God, but we need to know one thing, and that is that we trust you no matter what. No matter what men say or women say or what opinions this or that, we trust you, Father. And I just submit that uh, tonight, Father, as a close for all of us, Lord. Uh, let God be true and every man a liar, <laughs> you know, uh, to whatever degree that it's not right. God, we want to be aligned with the truth no matter what. And we just extol that truth above all things tonight. In the name of Jesus, thank you. Amen. Okay, good discussion. Good discussion, everybody. We'll see everybody next Wednesday.